This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and you're listening to Fifth Emission. Public health officials around the world agree. A key part of controlling the spread of the coronavirus is aggressive contact tracing. But we also know public health departments have been slashed over the decades, leaving it up to local governments to quickly staff up to meet this growing need. Joining me to talk about contact tracing is reporter Ideen Vaziri. So you actually sat through an abridged program for contact tracers, which I think is so great because normally you are our pop music critic. You're playing out of position to help us cover this pandemic and you're going to contact tracing uh, classes. Did you think last year that this would be your life? This is, you know, I should be at the Bottle Rock Festival, I think, this weekend, or <laughs> who knows what date it is, but this is where I'd normally be, and, and instead, I can, uh, I can contact trace people. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing how much everything has changed. So maybe you can start uh, by explaining what is contact tracing and why do we need it to reopen the economy? It's, um, in a very simple way, it's when you... You, it's basically alerting anyone who has been in contact with someone who is infected and you, you're trying to prevent them from spreading the disease to others. So it's contact tracing has been around for a long time and it stopped outbreaks of HIV and Ebola. And for COVID-19, it's been used very effectively in places like China, South Korea, Singapore, but you kind of have to tailor it for every disease and you need a huge workforce to make it work and people who know what they're doing. So that's where we're at. And Gavin Newsom has been saying that, you know, one of the six indicators for us to modify stay-at-home orders, reopen the economy is having contact tracing in place. So that's where we're at with things. And that's why UCSF started this initiative. So last night I watched the movie Contagion at the <laughs> urging of our colleague Peter Hartlob, who's uh, we're going to do a, a total SF podcast about this. And I thought this was a terrible idea. But there are a lot of contact tracers in this movie. And uh, I think one of the things that I, I'm curious as to whether it was just a Hollywood manifestation manifestation is they're really detectives trying to figure out like who patient zero is. And they're looking at, you know, security cam footage and asking everybody who you've been in contact with. Is that what our contact tracers are going to be doing? It, I think Gavin Newsom called them disease detectives. As, you know, that was his little uh, nickname for them. Um, it's, it, it is, I mean, it, it's not going to get that um, it's not that dramatic. It's pretty simple where as soon as someone, you know, it goes hand in hand with testing. So as soon as someone tests positive for, let's say, COVID-19, 
you interview them and you kind of walk them through their their dick their days leading up to the uh, diagnosis. So where were they? Who did they come into contact with? You give them kind of instructions on how to isolate if they're you know if they're not too sick. You know they're just quarantined at home for fourteen days, and then you f- locate and notify as many contacts that may have been exposed to them during that period. And then you basically monitor, monitor them. And with this UCSF system, that means they get an automated text for 14 days after they're asked to quarantine at home, just checking to see if they're showing any symptoms. So it's a little more, it's, it's a little more boring than, <laughs> than the movie makes it out to be. It's but a little bit more yes. boring. Yeah. So so you sat through one of these abridged programs. Like, what what surprised you the most about it? Mm. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if surprise is the right word. Um, it's you know, it's very straightforward. Um, I think what's surprising is the are the people they've they're hiring to do this. Um, it's a lot of people who would be working for the city right now who aren't can't do their jobs at the moment. So librarians, city attorney staff, environmental health officers. So they're recruiting all these people and they're training them up to take part in this. And um, so UCSF developed the program in April, just in partnership with San Francisco. And in three weeks leading up to the partnership with California, they were able to train 240 contact tracers. um, And you know, the, I spoke to a librarian who's doing this now, and she said she's like, she's really happy about it. Um, she's happy that she gets to work and put her time to good use, and she considers it a very important function with the, you know, with the pandemic raging. So that's, I, I think it's amazing that all these different city workers are all are, are coming together to do this. Is that how it's going to work in most cities? Because we need an insanely high number of contact tracers statewide. Is that where they're all going to come from? Yeah. So for the first round up through early July, I think Newsom wanted, wants to bring in up to 20,000 potential contact tracers and they will all be, um, hired, you know, from these um, civic roles, along with medical students and retired clinicians. Um, So, and then if they want, if there's still a need for it after we get the first round, then um, they're going to start hiring volunteers. And it's a paid position. So it's, you know, I think a lot of people, especially people who are out of work, would be happy to have this job where you're basically just calling people and helping kind of put a stop or put brakes on this uh, pandemic. And so UCSF and UCLA are the main um, institutions involved in this. Are they working together? Are they just doing the training? Like, how does that work? So the training um, program they've built is an, it's an online academy and it's a 20 hour program. And so 12 hours of that is group learning. And then there's an additional eight hours of individual sessions that people can do on their own time. And really a big part of this training, um, maybe going back to your last question, is um, they are teaching 
people to communicate. You know, California is a very diverse state, so they're teaching the people people the nuances of communicating with everyone across the state and kind of breaking some very sensitive information to them and being able to manage that them and give them the information they need. So, um, you know, the program I sit, sat in on, it kind of walked us through it with actors and di- who did practice phone calls. And then they do a real, real contact interviews with a healthcare professional supervising them. And then finally they just do the, the whole call, the entire call on their own under supervision. Um, so yeah, that, that, that program was developed with, you know, in partnership with the two schools in the, in the state. I want to take a break right now, but when we come back, I want you to go through what one of these typical calls may sound like. So we'll be back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. So before we went on break, we were talking about um, the training that these contact tracers go through. What What is a you know, like, how do you call somebody and tell them, by the way, we think you've been exposed to coronavirus? I mean, that must be an incredible phone call to have to make to people. Right. Um, And yeah, it's not always a comfortable call to make. But they, um, from talking to the people who make these calls, they, they express that the people who receive these calls are grateful because you would want to know. And, um, they understand the the weight of the situation. So, but one of the, um, I mean, one of the first things they do is ask them about their preferred language just to make the conversation more comfortable. And then it basically, they run through a list and they collect information about the living situation of the individuals. They try to determine if the person can self, self-isolate because that's, that's the key to this. Um, if someone is living is is doesn't have a home or is living in an overcrowded space, the tracers will then refer them to the Department of Public Health to help them find better accommodations where they can isolate. Um, and you know, it's uh, the the tracers that I talked to said, said that the people have been very receptive and grateful to receive these calls. And then the other layer of that is. Um, they ensure that the people are able who are able to quarantine are also supported with food and supplies because not everyone has the means to have food in their house for 14 days. So they help them out with that as well. They're connected with all the um, city services that can jump into action if needed. Um, and then following that initial interview, like I said, they follow up with automated texts to make just to monitor individuals to see if they develop any symptoms or not. And then do they have to then contact all the people that that person has come into contact with, or does it not go that far down? There is a chain and it's usually, um, I forget now what the, uh, 
what the criteria is, but if it's like a cashier at a grocery store, they wouldn't necessarily track that person down. But it's typically, I think it's someone they've spent, I think it's 10 minutes or so within six feet of or in close contact with. So obviously family members, people at work, if they're essential workers. Um, but there, there is a baseline criteria of who gets contacted. That's really interesting. So you mentioned that this was working elsewhere. Is it the same sort of program that we've seen um, implemented in China and Singapore and elsewhere? Is, is, are we looking at basically the same um, plan here? So the difference right now is this is all the contact tracing here is happening, happening manually, like I described. And the places where it's been successful, they are using technology to help. So I think 81% of the population in the U.S. has a smartphone. And there are programs that have been developed that if, you know, everyone had one on their phone, they would just kind of through Bluetooth keep track of people, of where you've been, people you've encountered. So if you and I are at the same supermarket on opposite sides of the aisle and, you know, we're spending 10 minutes staring at cereal boxes, um, then you would get a ping that, hey, you've been in contact with, you know, you were, they would be able to know that you you and I were in contact. Um, so that that's the thing that's going to help move this forward is if we roll out these apps and we can, because you know, relying on people's memory of, you know, if you ask someone, where were you last Tuesday? Who were you around? Who did you come in contact with? That's not entirely reliable. But if a phone or an app is keeping track of that, then we can quickly reach out to everyone that is on that, you know, has been, has come into contact and let them know and let them know the steps to take to stop it. The, the difference is, of course, that China is a totalitarian regime. And here in America, we have people who don't even want to wear masks. So it seems like that level of monitoring seems pretty unlikely in, in the United States. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, the places where it has worked, um, people are used to the government surveillance. Um, and, as we've seen here, people here are freaking out about not being able to get a haircut. So asking them to put an app on their phone that's going to track their every move and everyone they come into contact with is probably not going to fly. But I mean, we may if it gets bad enough, we may not have a choice because this is an essential tool for kind of containing coronavirus. You know, we have to test, trace, test, trace over and over again. Um, and it's just, you know, hiring hun hundreds of thousands of people to make these calls and depending on people's memories of who they've been around, especially if shelter-in-place restrictions loosen, it's just, it doesn't feel like it's going to work without the help of technology. Yeah, it, it also seems like all of this contact tracing relies on people's goodwill to once they've been um, 
you know, once they think they've been exposed to stay inside and be good stewards. And, you know, maybe I'm too cynical, but I I think that's also a pretty huge leap. You're asking people to really um, care about their neighbors and stay inside and self-quarantine this this isn't a police state. So we're relying on a lot of different variables that um, are, you know, complicated by humans. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> we, you know, it's, we've seen, we see it every day. Like, it's just hard to get a massive population like we have in the United States to follow anything. <laughs> so um, you are, yeah, it, I mean, a fundamental part of this is calling someone and asking them to stay at home for 14 days. And they have to actually follow through and do that for it to work. Um, That's a big ask. (laughs) Yeah, it is huge. Uh, The last question I have for you, you mentioned we might need thousands more of these people. Um, How If if I'm somebody who's not been able to work because of the shutdown and I want to get a job as a contact tracer, is that a possibility for me? So for the first phase, um, UCSF will train 10,000 repurposed state workers. And depending on where that gets us, um, the state will re-examine the needs of, with, uh, with the assistance of the Department of Public Health and um, local health departments to decide if they need to roll out more. And then at that point, they're going to tap volunteers for this program. So um, right now they've trained the librarians, the city attorneys, the, and they're also using medical students and internal staff members. But to scale this up to where it needs to be. I think um, the John Hopkins Center for Health Security said we need 100,000 contact tracers across the country to prevent future outbreaks and get this one under control. So at some point, they're going to be asking volunteers, and this will be a, a job that people can apply for. Is there anything else we should know about this program as it gets ramped up that you want to mention? Um I think people should really consider getting on board and, you know, getting these apps on their phone as they become available, because that's really the only way we're going to break through. People, people are eager to get back to normal life. And unfortunately, this is one of the major steps that we need to take is being able to monitor where, where this thing is breaking out, who has it, and you know, just asking them to stay home and we need reliable information to be able to do that. So, you know, there may be some resistance at first, but I think eventually people are going to have to kind of be okay with the apps. Um, And I think, you know, from the, from the ones I've seen, there are privacy measures in place. So there's a way to do this and not give up all your, um, all the things that you may be concerned about. Ideen, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. I wish I was at Bottle Rock, but this will do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not as cool as Bottle Rock, but close. (laughs) Thank you, Audrey. I'd like to thank Ideen for being with me today. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.